In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. What is up? Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games, and my favorite Pixar character is Wally. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies, and my favorite Pixar character is Mr. Incredible. Because it's played by Craig T. Nelson, and Craig D. Nelson, coach, is awesome. Coach is pretty cool. Wally's pretty cool, though. Yeah, he is. He's awesome. If this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. While you are on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could write a quick review about the show. But hey, it's not just Apple Podcasts where you can leave a review. You can leave them on other platforms, too, such as our friend listener Thrack on Stitcher, who says... Great podcast. Love the topics you cover. Great insight from Brett, Kelly, and Brian. How about an episode dedicated to Star Trek Picard? You provide excellent Star Wars coverage. Time to give Star Trek its due. I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I've got like two seasons of Discovery. To, I feel like I need to get to before Picard. But yeah. Maybe we need to do a little binge ahead of time, and then we do an episode and go all in on Star Trek. Yeah, we need to get Jordan Hoffman back on to talk about Star That's Trek. a good idea. I like yeah. that. Thrack, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Feedback noted. See, this is what happens when you leave a review. This is exactly what happens. We get really good feedback, and you get a shout-out. We all win. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at usatoday.com. On to the main topic this week. Here's a clip. What was Dad like? His beard was scratchy. He had a goofy laugh. I wish I'd met him. I have something for you from your dad. It's a wizard staff. I wrote this spell so I could see for myself who my boys grew up to be. This spell brings him back. Back like back to life? He wanted to meet you more than anything. Bowie Tooth of Zadar! How did you... I don't know! It just started! Hang on! Dad? Don't stop, Bart! Dad, you are in your house. Oh, oh, boy. Oh. We've only got 24 hours to bring back the rest of Dad. We're going on a quest. You guys are in trouble big time. Get in the vehicle. I'm escorting you home. I'm giving you to the count of three. Uh, okay. Wait, what are you doing? I don't know. Ah, I'm looking for my sons. Oh, they went on a quest. But don't worry, I told them about the map, I told them about the gym, I told them about the curse. <gasps> I forgot to tell them about the curse! The what? <gasps> that was from the new Disney Pixar movie Onward, an animated fantasy starring Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, Spider-Man and Star-Lord, if you remember the Avenger movies, as two elf brothers who go on an epic quest to spend a day with their dead dad after a magic spell to conjure him goes awry. It's the newest in the long canon of Pixar flicks, which include the likes of Toy Story, Finding Dory, everything you can think of. That's what we're going to talk about this week. Our favorite Pixar films, what makes them special, 
all that fun stuff. Before we dig in, though, Brian has seen Onward. I have. What did you think? You know what's interesting? It's it's not really a Pixar film in a way. I mean, it's if you're familiar with like Trolls and How to Train Your Dragon, it's very much more kind of along those character designs. It doesn't really look kind of like the thing about Pixar movies. They kind of they have that they have a certain sheen and they have like you know it's almost ethereal sometimes how the, how the characters look, the atmospheres and everything. And Onward is very much kind of about fun. It's about this modern fantasy where, like, you know, elves and and fairies and unicorns and everything's kind of in suburbia, like a modern suburbia. It's like it's like Zootopia, but like with medieval characters and fantasy characters. It looks kind of DreamWorksy, but I, I think it works though because, in a way, it doesn't look like a normal Pixar film. It's very fun. There's a lot of people who are saying it's you know. It's not as good as other Pixar films. And it's not, I mean, it's good Pixar. It's not great Pixar. But I feel like, you know, it is fun for a long time. And it has a great ending. As it, it, you know, it made me cry. It'll make you cry. It, it's a very touching. But it, like, it spends a lot more time trying to have fun and then gets to the, to the tear jerking. Whereas, like, you know, a Toy Story movie is like emotion manipulative all the way through or inside out, too. But I feel like, you know, this one makes the time to have fun first and then gets to the, okay, grab your tissues because you're going to cry now. So how are Chris Pratt and Tom Holland? They're good. I mean, it's it's funny because it's like every Tom Holland character is Peter Parker and he sounds like Peter Parker. And it's like, again, and like a nerdy young kid, you know, genius young kid. And this is like a nerdy young elf <laughs> who's 16. <laughs> He's trying to be bold like, you know, the father he never knew and he listens to tapes of his old dad and everything and he he, he kind of goes on a whole, you know, character arc too. But he sounds like Peter Parker. What's funny you say that though because I see, so when I see the trailers of this, when I see Chris Pratt, I think, oh, it's Elvin Andy Dwyer. Almost. That's kind of the fun part because it is that over the top, you know, character that we've seen him. It's not as much Starla because Starla is more kind of like a Han Solo type, but this is very much like like old school Chris Pratt over the top yelling kind of like almost into like a a John Belushi mode. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So, okay. Since we all are obsessed with ranking stuff, where would you, so where would you rank it? It's like a top 10 Pixar top 20. So I I have, I have a list. I don't know if it's not top. I'd say, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. I'd say I have 11. 11 out, of, so 11 out of 22. Top 15, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's not too bad. All right. Let's get to some more fun stuff. We're going to talk about some of our favorite Pixar movies. We each have two picks that we're going to go over. I'll start it off. We're going to go with our second favorite Pixar movie, and then we'll pick number one. My number two Pixar movie for me is Incredibles 2. A lot of people kind of joke that this is the Fantastic Four movie we've always wanted because, as we all know, Fantastic Four movies have been god-awful. And so this is the closest we've gotten to a really good Fantastic Four movie, but it's fun. It's it's a fun family movie. It's got great voice actors involved. You mentioned Craig T. Nelson already. You have Holly Hunter as Elastigirl. Um, you have so many great characters. Definitely was a long time between sequels. At least 15 years. 15 years, yeah. I thought they did a really good job with it. I like the premise of it, which is, you know, superheroes are kind of being ostracized and so... There's this billionaire that kind of really wants them to succeed. And so he kind of signs on Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible to kind of come together and and try to kind of restore the reputation of these heroes. And so, of course, everything goes awry. Kids get involved. It's a fantastic family movie, just focusing on them as a family unit. And it's just it's like I said, it's just a lot of fun. 
You have Frozone, who I think was Samuel L. Jackson, mm-hmm. if yep. I remember right. Yeah. There's two sides, I think, to Pixar. You have the really fun stuff, and then you have the really emotional stuff. And this is my favorite kind of fun Pixar film. Right. But so Incredibles 2 didn't work for me. I think it's kind of in my bottom half. Like, the, a lot of the sequels just aren't as good as, like, the originals for me. But I, I do like how The Incredibles 2... It, it it goes past the family a little bit. It kind of it, it throws in like some extra villains, some extra heroes. The animation does look better, even though like the the sequel takes place as soon as it stop. Like the other one ends, like from the very second it ends, and picks up like again, you know, seven like fifteen, seventeen, whatever many years in real time. But like no time has passed in that world, so it's interesting to kind of see how. Like the animation is a lot better now than it was. Oh, it's night and but day. it's just like there's a lot more kind of interesting characters that they throw in there. I also like the scene with Jack Jack where they discover that he has superpowers. That was a really good scene. Yeah, that's, that yeah, that's my, fighting my favorite the raccoon. Yeah, fighting yeah. the raccoon. It's great. Yeah. So, what's your second favorite Pixar movie? So, Incredibles has always been my favorite. And then, and then it's like it's like a, almost like a three way tie, almost four way tie between Inside Out, Coco, Wally, and Monsters Inc. Those have always been kind of like. My favorites, unlike just the next tier down from Incredibles, just uh, I like I like them all like kind of pretty much equally, but I think Inside Out probably like I think my my second favorite just above them all because I feel like it just does so much with like something very very metaphor you know it's like you know they have feeling you know it's, the feelings come to life you know it's it's there's a lot of metaphor and a lot of it's 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 a lot of like heady stuff that they throw at like a kid. But it, but they do it so that like it all works. You know, you have you have anger, you have joy, you have you know you have all these characters who are very different, and then they all occupy this little girl's head, and you kind of see as a little girl, you know, she goes through some stuff to figure out, you know, identity issues, and like she's growing up and things like that, and like the feelings in her, inside of her have to do with the changes too, and they've got like a quest to go on too, and you know. It, it will wreck you. This movie will like has. There are times where like like any great Pixar film, it will wreck you. Not as much as Coco. That movie will wreck the shit out of you. <laughs> but but inside out, you know, it's just like the because it, it it does the whole emotions throughout. There's a little bits of it that wreck you throughout throughout, and that you know. So it's it's kind of like an overall wreckage more than like a like Coco, where it's just like it just stamps down on you at the end. The gumption to do something like that, of of to have something so metaphorical and so kind of like really, really like deep and philosophical for kids. It's one of their best movies because of that, because they just try to do so much. And I I do like the fact that they're going to kind of tackle the afterlife with soul. The, it's coming up in summer. It's like This is one of the times when it's rare to have like two Pixar originals in one year where usually we get like a sequel and maybe an original. Um, but then we're getting two originals this year. And I think so it's more about like the afterlife. But I think it's like it's going to take that inside out take on that with kids. And I, so that's going to be a lot of interesting, you know, it's just like explain a lot about death to kids. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I, exactly. So well, hopefully you don't even have to have the conversation. You just have this movie to tell all your kids about it. Oh, I don't know. I think you're going to have way more conversation. That's the thing. That's true. But th- OK, this gets to my favorite uh, Pixar movie, which hands down is Coco. But like you said, they're they're not afraid to tackle adult subjects and do it in a way that kids can kind of relate mm-hmm. to and understand. And in the case of Coco, it's about Miguel, who is uh, the lead character in the movie and how, you know, his family has instituted this ban on music for generations. And so it kind of leads him to learning more about his family and his heritage and 
he basically it's it's also themed around the Day of the Dead. And so and the movie, he ends up going to the land of the dead in search of his great great grandfather. And it's, you know, obviously there's a lot of death there. And I would say of the dead, too. It's like there's a lot of imagery with uh, related to death. It's, you know, for a kid, it's like, well, that's a lot to take in. But man, if there was a, a movie that makes you cry Hall of Fame, I think this is probably my number one movie. I still remember seeing the theater and I was crying so much that I had to stop and look around the theater because I thought I was being too loud. Like it was really bad. With that great grand when great grandma no under you know, sings the song back to the Oh yes. my God. Yes. Buckets. That's not that's not even you're not even getting wrecked. You're just getting like nuclearly annihilated and like, you know, raised and it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. It's it was to the point where so my son watched this movie and he loves the movie and he loves the soundtrack. Like there it's got was a great song the songs are awesome. It's probably yeah, I think it's one of the best sound or soundtracks we have. But that's another thing, like a month after the movie came out, I would hear the soundtrack in the car and I'm like, Oh my god, <laughs> what is happening? It's just just the the way they use music too. They have Remember Me in the movie, which I thought was cleverly used and how, you know, Ernesto sings it and it's got a very different tone and feel. Mm-hmm. And then when um, Hector sings it later in the movie and then when Miguel sings it near the end, who is great grandmother, they all take on very different meanings and tones. And it's the just the way they use music, I think, is really cleverly done. Yeah. And I just, you know, and it's a, it's a fantastic film about family and learning about your heritage and learning who you are and how that all comes together. Really well done. And um, yeah, I think... <laughs> I think in my crying Hall of Fame movies, that's oh, yeah. like by far. Uh, I mean, it's I, I would be if I found someone that didn't cry during Coco, I'd wonder what was going on. Yeah, I mean, it's a cathartic cry. You yeah. know, that's that's the thing too. You go on the journey with the kid, and like, you know, you've learned things about the kid. The kids learn things about, you know, his loved ones. You know, his idol isn't quite the man he thought he was. And I mean, you got, I mean, he, you go on a trip with this little dude. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you get to the, when you get to the moment at the end. And then after that, you know, so you're crying at the, then he, then there's like the happy song at the end. So then you got the happy cry in there too. (laughs) And it's just like, it's the like last 20, 10 and 20 minutes are relentless. It it doesn't let up. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable like how, you know, just how many layers of emotion you go through just getting through the end of that movie. And it's not manipulative either. That's the thing, too, you know, because the Toy Story movies are like, I that, I, I kind of have a problem with them a little bit because they are so emotional manipulative because it, like, they just kind of really, really, I mean, they, like, they crank up the Randy Newman song, right, when they want you to, you know, okay, now's the time. You know, it's it's just, it's it's like they want you to, cry, like, cry on, like, they want to push the button and you start crying. It's a more it's a more natural kind of emotion with Coco. It's just like it is. It's the you go on the whole story and then like and then you know you realize what the whole story is about and it's it's just like it go it goes right into you more than like Toy Story where it's just like it's just about pushing buttons. Yeah, you, it's like you know the emotion comes from getting a deeper understanding right. of what these characters are going through versus yeah, like you said, they're pushing a button to get you to try to cry on command. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go back maybe to some fun Pixar. Uh, so what's your number one pick? Why do you like Incredibles Yeah, so The Incredibles doesn't make you cry. Um, or I, I don't remember crying in Incredibles. But but the thing is, too, is like when The Incredibles came out, we didn't have Marvel movies. I mean, we had, I think we just, we gotten through like... We were in that Spider-Man X yeah, range, yeah. Yeah, and like for the longest time, Incredibles was the best superhero movie by far. 
because it, like you said, it kind of it still is the best Fantastic Four movie of all time. Yeah. But it tapped into why the Fantastic Four works as a comic book and a concept. But it also has like it's also about family. It's about what happens, you know, with the people who have powers. And it's not really about the powers. It's about the family dynamic of, like, kids are want to use their powers and they can't. And then the the dynamics between Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl and even, you know, this, the, the villain. It's it's a cool villain because there's, there's emotion connected to that. It's this kid who wants to be a sidekick to Mr. Incredible more than anything. Mr. Incredible kicks him to the curb. And then he wants his revenge. I mean, it's just, it's very, very, it's like old school Marvel from like the 1960s in terms of like comic book, you know, tropes and, and character development interactions. But it totally works because it looks really cool and it's funny and like, it, you know, everything, everything about that movie works. And it's, it, it's, it's still one of the best superhero movies. It's interesting, too, because the family stuff is very relatable still, mm-hmm. even though it's a family of superheroes. You know, going back to two for a second, like. There's the the power dynamic where Elastigirl is suddenly like the signature superhero and mm-hmm. Mr. Incredible has to take a back seat. It's an example of just like everyday family dynamics. Gender dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah modern just, gender dynamics. Yeah. And it's, but it's stuff that, you know, a lot of families deal with. And so I think that's part of why Incredibles resonates so much with people is that, yeah, they're superheroes, but they also have the same problems we do. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about our list is we haven't, we've only talked maybe a second or two about Toy Story, which is. A huge franchise for Pixar. I mean, I I am of the mind it is overrated. Oh, let's hear this hot take. So I mean, I don't know if and I ever wrote. I no, you can find this on usatoday.com. I I wrote a piece about How to Train Your Dragon, like when that last How to Train Your Dragon came out. How How to Train Your Dragon is a better saga than Toy Story, and I stand by it. Wow. Because again, Toy Story. There's there are things I like about Toy Story. I like the care. I mean, Buzz and Woody. You know, all the characters. They're all fun. In Toy Story 3 kind of like it's all about death and it's just like you know you really you really push that button it's just like you know this is all about death you know blah 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 and then yeah, and then you have Andy handing off the toys to Bonnie there was a perfect ending to that thing and you gotta come back and do Toy Story 4 no you don't and I actually, I actually kind of like Toy Story 4 you know once you get over the like that's a good this, movie this yeah. movie shouldn't this shouldn't exist because they bring back like Forky they add something new and fresh to it that they haven't done before but Forky's the best part of that movie and like Duck and Bunny are the best part of that you know it's yeah. just like all the new stuff is really kind of cool in that movie but like the old stuff doesn't you know it's just like it feels dated and I feel like just you know those movies. The first, the first three movies. You know they're they're fine. They're like again. I have Toy Story one in my top ten, but it's after like Ratatouille. It's after Up. It's after like Monsters Inc. and stuff. I it's I just don't like it as much as everyone else does. I just it it didn't connect with me. I think just because it it feels like it really taps into that nostalgia thing. And I'm I'm all about nostalgia. I mean, kind of like most you know, nostalgia is all about. My our generation because it's yep. like you know the, our, our everything in pop culture and everything is like really trying to tap into like what we loved as kids and what we grew up with, but and and so Toy Story is a little bit nostalgic for you know kind of older folks than us, but it just doesn't. I I don't know. I just I find it I find it kind of like off putting the as much kind of like trying to make you cry as much as it does. Yeah, it's trying to artificially get a, a reaction out of you yeah. instead of just letting it happen with the story. Yeah. Um, 
real quick before we go. So you have so we have Incredibles, and then we have you said number two was Inside Out. Yeah, Inside Out. What's your top five? Coco, Wally, Monsters Inc., Ratatouille, Up, Up. First ten minutes of that movie again that will wreck you. It's funny because it's like it doesn't even like it. Won't, it doesn't even waste any time. Yeah, <laughs> it's like opening that movie. Let's get this out of the way. Yeah, that's a litmus test. Uh, then Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Toy Story Two, Onward, Toy Story Three, Brave, The Good Dinosaur, which I like. I mean, I everybody hates that movie, but I kind of like it. Monsters University, Toy Story Four. There's a lot of sequels in here. Incredibles Two, Finding Dory, Cars Three. Finally, we get to a Cars movie. Those suck. <laughs> <laughs> cars 3 was like and, and like my daughter was so into cars for like the longest time and I hated this movie but Cars 3 wasn't terrible so Cars 3 A Bug's Life Cars and Cars 2 Cars 2 is the worst your love of cars is very clear oh. that list. <laughs> <laughs> tell us how you really movie. tell us how you really feel okay listeners your turn what's your favorite Pixar movie of all time are you going to see Onward do you have an equal amount of hatred of cars as Brian does let's talk about it on Twitter you can find us at Mothership Pod or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Polina 23 I'm at Brian Truett. Don't forget, you can email us. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. That will do it this week. Thank you so much again for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producers of The Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free in Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leave us a rating or review? Like I said earlier, it helps other people find the pod. And as a bonus, you get a special shout out like our listener, Thrack. Thank you so much again. Thank you. If Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, though, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, as we mentioned. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll find us. Until next week, nerds out. Later! Later!